because you can't build up a difference of potential if your feet are at the same potential. Even if you've put them apart, it's the lifting up of your foot to take the next step three feet ahead of you, where the one foot on the ground still has one potential and you just changed to a different potential. That's really good information. Yeah. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about how to handle electrical emergencies. Don't lick it. Just don't take the hot wire and lick it. What is the taste that you're tasting when you lick a battery? It's current flowing through your tongue. Right. So what's the taste you're tasting? It's like acid. I don't know. I mean, like it just tastes like, I guess it's your, your like taste buds getting it's the taste of ex- your taste buds excited. Yeah. And getting like, <laughs> it's the same feeling like, like when you, when your skin's wet and you take like a hot and a neutral and just touch your skin it's that same feeling it's just on your taste buds instead of through your finger and it's such a low amount i mean it's a nine volt battery i actually thought like we should do a viral video i would get hated so many people in the community would be like i can't believe you're showing this to people but i thought about just putting 120 on my tongue just for a split second just ah you know oh Hey, I mean, probably get millions of views (laughs) for the granium. Oh, dude, it'd be so much current on the wet surface. Like you would never taste again from that part. That yeah, I would probably damage that part of my tongue. Yeah, what part would I want to do that to? It might be like paralysis too. Like there might be part of your tongue that just can't. It's like wired into my yeah. There's your tongue has like so many muscles in there, or it's like like would you want to do the bottom of your tongue? Oh god, no. The tip, or would you do it on the back? How about your uvula, just right to the back of your throat? I thought a uvula was like a private part in your body. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the uvula could be private. I mean, I don't want anybody touching my uvula. (laughs) No, it's the it's the dangly thing. Yeah, it's the punch bag in the back of your throat. Yeah, let me just double check that. Okay, Google. Define uvula. A fleshy extension at the back of the soft palate, which hangs above the throat. Yeah, all right. Yeah. You're right. So don't electrocute your uvula. No, no, no <laughs> parts of your body should you intentionally electrocute. Yeah. Okay. So let's move. Let's go, man. We're, we're recording right now. I know. Well, that was all insightful. <laughs> This episode of the Electrician U podcast is sponsored by the new NDR Lighting BOA. It's a 6,000 lumen, 8-inch vapor-tight flush mount light that is NSF rated for use in the food processing industry. Find out more at ndrlighting.com. Can you share an experience where you had to handle an electrical emergency? Like, was was there an emergency happening that you had to go and fix? Yeah, there was one time when I was... It wasn't like a bodily anybody got hurt but i put in like my first my first like big custom home job that i got when i had first gotten my residential wireman's license so it's probably like two and a half years in and this was my like i'm gonna test myself and prove everybody that i'm awesome but i was also like in a rush because they were trying to move in and they were moved in while we were still doing stuff on the house like they were in a hurry so i put the service together and you know we trimmed out the whole inside of the house and everything turned everything on, energized it, passed inspection. It was all good. But that first night, they evidently called my boss at the time and was like, hey, their power keeps turning on and turning off and um, breakers keep blowing and they're saying that they smell this burning smell outside. So he had to go and see what was going on. He opened up the service panel and one of the lugs that I had landed the service entrance conductors like from the meter to the the main service panel was glowing 
like red. Was it not tight? It wasn't tight. Uh, so like I had put a breaker kit into a MLO panel. So MLO just means that there's, there's only lugs. There's no breaker as a main for this panel. So you can actually take a screw out. You can put a big 200 amp breaker inside of this MLO panel to turn it into a main breaker panel or an MBR panel. So I did that, but I guess I just didn't, this was before anybody was even talking about like torque wrenches, torque specs, anything like that. So I guess I had just gone through and tightened everything and thought that I had tightened it and I didn't. And so it burned up the panel board. So the guts inside the panel, we had to change those guts out. And that's where I learned, oh crap, you can just take the whole interior, all the breakers and everything and just unbolt it, pull that thing out and slap a brand new one in there. And so he was pissed though, man. He was yeah, like, that's you don't not, that's realize- well, it wasn't even that. Like a panel board's nothing. It's sure, really cheap. But it's also dangerous. But it is also our reputation. Yeah. Like he couldn't believe that I was so careless as to have done that. And the customers were like, I can't believe like you could have just burned down my house. And in their mind, you right. know, there's a, you know, in all reality, it was really a stupid thing and it was careless that I had done that. But um that was something that we had immediately had to go take care of and it was an easily fixable problem. But you know, maybe that breaker wouldn't have tripped because it, of where it was and what it was, you know? Um, yeah. If it burnt itself, maybe it could have burned the whole damn house yeah. down, you know, but there's been other stuff too. Like um, I told the story of that truck that caught on fire on the job site that I was on for any of you that haven't heard the story. I was working. Um, this was actually just a couple of years ago. Uh, I was working at this big, like cathedral church they had a huge church it was already like a televised church and people from the university of texas like the coaches and stuff were like big money where's at this church and um really great people and they uh, they just wanted to expand their church to like four times the size and make a huge auditorium the whole stage was an led screen and so there's like That's so one cool. foot by one foot panels and there was like it was like 50 feet long by 25 feet tall or something and it was just this crazy, crazy thing that it was one of the most advanced jobs that I had done of this, this type. How many um, panels would you say was in that church? Uh, probably like 10. Yeah. I know we had several transformers and this was just this new part of the building. They had the old existing part of the building that had its own, um, all of its own panels and its own electrical room and everything. So we had to build a service that fed both halves of this building. So it was probably like a 1200 amp 480 volt service, which is just, you know, massive, just a really a big service. But yeah, so electrical panels, the new one, there was a couple of high voltage panels. I think there was like two or three high voltage panels and there was probably like five or six low voltage panels. So maybe it wasn't as many, but that was just for this new yeah, auditorium, that's crazy. you know, go on anyway. So this truck, uh, we were in there and, um, somebody just ran inside the building and I'm sitting there like working on an electrical panel and they, I start hearing people screaming and yelling and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And somebody's like, they just said there's a truck on fire. And I'm like, what a truck on fire. Like I got to go check this out. This right. is cool. <laughs> Grab your phones. Let's record it. You know? And when I ran out there, I realized it was one of my friend's trucks. And I was like, Oh no, we actually have to care about this. <laughs> And so I yelled to him and I'm like, yo, your truck's on fire. And he's like on a ladder doing something. And he comes down and we run out there. And one of the apprentices that I was with actually was a volunteer firefighter. So he's like, that hole inside of that thing is getting pressurized. So we need to smash that window to let all the smoke get out of it. He's like, don't open the door. I didn't know anything about that, right? I didn't, wouldn't have even thought of that. I would have just tried to open the door. 
But uh, so he just he smashed the window because we could just see smoke billowing in the cab and it was starting to come out through the vents on the hood. So he smashed it and it let all of the smoke out. And we grabbed as many fire extinguishers as we could because we didn't know what the problem was. We thought it's probably electrical, right? The, the vehicle was off just sitting in a parking lot, but it's Texas. It's hot as hell. So who knows? So we started dumping all these fire extinguishers in there and the dash just starts roaring, just fire all over the place. And as we're like dumping these fire or, uh, uh, fire extinguishers on it, it would quell it for a quick second and then just <laughs> keep coming back. And so we're like, all right, this is definitely electrical fire, you know? So we're like, call 911. We need to get fire department out here right now because this whole truck's going to burn down. All his sawzalls, every tool. This dude is like a 25-year electrician that uh. had everything he had ever done. Like his whole career he kept in his truck and um it just kept going and we were dumping more and more in there and finally it just broke loose man that whole cab was on fire windows were you know like everything was melting and dripping all over the place and so finally the fire department showed up and we just got the hell out of the area and everybody's trying to move their cars to get away from it because we didn't want it to blow up because right. full fuel knows, tank and yeah. everything yeah you just don't know what's going to happen Movies and, uh, often show cars yeah, exploding. <laughs> right. There was never an explosion. Right. It's, it, it just caught fire, but there was nothing like pressurized to, to explode. So um, it burnt, like it was roaring in flames. And I've got stuff. If you guys go to my Instagram and TikTok, I think I have videos of this, like little reels yeah, and stuff shorts, of it, sure, yeah. um, of the actual footage of it. But the fire department shows up and they just start dumping their trucks, you know, as much water on it as they could. And it would not go out, man. They just kept it suppressed as much as they could. But it was just continuing because it's an electrical fire and water doesn't put out, you know. So they, they, they yeah. yeah, and their suppressant is not just water. Like they're actually trying to dump some kind of whatever they put on it. And that thing burnt completely to the ground. So it was just frame and metal and that was all there was left. And then put the fire out they left they get about a half mile down the road and the thing starts up again dude just <laughs> roaring fire again we're like ah call them back you know it was crazy because we everybody evacuated the building we like it was up close to the building where this happened too so we're all just standing around outside people are screaming at each other because some people didn't want to move their cars but other people wanted to move their cars because they didn't want something to happen because they didn't have insurance, you know? And, yeah. and so they were like, move your truck. I can't get mine out. And they're like, hell, I'm not going close to that thing. Screw you. And yeah. so they like, people are fighting and getting angry <laughs> over it, you know, it's just a, a mess, but it just, you know, I've seen transformers do that too. I've seen transformers that blow up and then a bunch of people try to run over and grab a hose and it's like, start spraying water. And it's like, it's no, like, no, that's get worse. away from yeah. it. Water's conductive, bro. Like <laughs> it's not going to fix anything. Yeah, it's, it's almost on par, uh, probably worse, like putting oil, I mean, putting water on an oil fire, you know, just like explodes it more. Yeah. Like, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I've had some situations like that, but like most of the job site situations where somebody gets hurt, it's usually like heat exhaustion in Texas, Yeah, uh, heat stroke, or they've cut themselves. Me, I've cut myself so many times. I've had to go get stitches because knives and um, that's pretty much it though. Yeah. What are the most common electrical emergencies that every electrician should be prepared for? Mm. I think that something people are probably underprepared for is the ability to give CPR and to know how to handle a situation where somebody's seriously injured. So um, there's, if you look in the NFPA 70 E for those of you that are kind of new to this, there's the, NFPA 70, which is the National Electrical Code, but there's the 70E, which is the safety manual, and it just teaches 
employees how to work safely and kind of guidelines to go by for working on live equipment and things like that and how to handle emergencies, um, how to prevent things from happening using lockout, tagout, all that kind of stuff. There's actually a manual out there. So if you guys are working for some knucklehead boss that doesn't teach safety or know about safety, then I would... Um, I would think safe or, you know, th think long and hard about working for a company that doesn't prioritize your safety because this stuff kills people, you know, it's really dangerous. So anyways, there's, there's definitely procedures and how to handle emergencies. Um, calling 911 obviously is like of utmost importance, but being able to do CPR on somebody because you're certified and you know how to do it can mean the difference between saving somebody's life and them dying before the ambulance gets there. So being able to do uh, CPR is something that I think a lot of people need to understand how to do. And there's a lot of the schools, vocational schools and stuff that put CPR training into their curriculum. And I think that's huge. I actually think that part of continuing education for electricians every year should be like a refresher course on CPR. Huh. Yeah. Like, sure, we want to know the code updates, the same damn code updates for three years until code changes again. It's useless knowledge. It reinforces new code. But then we're teaching that the code from 2020 was updated to 2023, but there's people still using the 2008 code book. So like it's useless for them. They don't, you know, so I think having things that are more useful, like here's some new materials that have come out. Here's some new hazards that have come out. Here's, here's how you do lockout tag out procedures. If we're really training people and we want to prioritize safety, I think that everybody's continuing education should have a lot more safety in it. And some States do have some, like you have to teach from the NFPA 70 E and so that, you know, these things, but it's really not done very well for how serious this stuff is. Um, so yeah. So knowing how to do CPR and apply that, knowing how to check if somebody's okay, if somebody is introduced into a live circuit and they can't move, they're like immobilized and they're locked on, um, knowing that you can take like a two by four, something that's made of wood, that's not conductive yeah. and literally hit them with it. So it knocks them off of their ladder and never them touch free. them, never push them. Yeah. Don't yeah. run up and try to grab somebody that's <laughs> being, you know, shocked or electrocuted. Um, then there's the burn side of things, you know, somebody that's just gotten shocked or electrocuted. Uh, oftentimes they suffer severe burns. So how to handle burns in that situation. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that, that I think that most people don't really know. We just kind of throw tools on and start ripping. Yeah. And, um, I think that's really important. And then understanding, you know, getting 911 on the phone and don't just call them and hang up, like ask them like, what should I be doing right now? What, what needs to be done for the EMS to, to get here? Um, I think that's really crucial and, you know, not moving them. If, if you need to talk to somebody that's an EMT for them to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Like if you, if you're in an, an environment where it's extremely hazardous and you need to get them out of there, that's one thing. But the idea that when you move somebody that's severely injured, you can injure them more. Right. So like, yeah, talk, if they fell from a loud ladder, you might not want to like move them because right. you could break them more. But if they fell into a ladder and there's like a downed wire and you're in sure. a wet environment and it's just yeah, pull them out yeah, yeah like but you you also have to know how to pull them out right so there's this really crazy thing that a lot of electricians don't know but a lot of linemen do and there's this thing called step potential so you, we've talked about voltage you understand that there's anytime you're like um building up potential between two things you have a voltage yep so that's why like um we have a positive and negative on a battery it's between these two studs inside this battery there is a potential where if you connect them, current's going to flow. Well, if you're, if you have like a downed uh, power line or something like that, and the entire soil is energized, it's at such a high uh, voltage that 
from the time you take one step and your foot's on the ground to the the three feet forward where your next foot touches, uh, there's a difference of potential. That's like two battery rods right there. Yeah, and it, that current could go through your body and can kill you. Ugh. So they teach linemen when you're in a situation like that to drag your feet because you can't build up a difference of potential if your feet are at the same potential. Even if you've put them apart, it's the lifting up of your foot to take the next step three feet ahead of you, where the one foot on the ground still has one potential and you just changed to a different potential. That's really good information. Yeah. Yeah. Because soil conditions, like soil's not a consistent like piece of metal. It changes. There's aggregate, there's different clay and all that stuff. So, um, you know, when there's a down power line and you're in a situation where you know there's there's a gradient of potential on the ground knowing how to drag your feet in really short steps you don't drag them like six you know feet yeah, per right, step right. you, don't you want just to. kind of shuffle and drag your feet to get out of the situation there's all kinds of crazy stuff like this and i know that i talk about safety a lot and people in the comments are like oh safety guys here you know but I take this stuff seriously. And I think that the people making all the rules and dealing with all of the fatalities and making materials because they understand the data of how many people die. Um, it's really important to take this stuff seriously. Truly. And it, what's interesting, I'm reading this book called Applied Bioelectricity right now. And it's a really higher level um, math engineering level kind of like um, book at the beginning of it. It really goes over like equations and, and stuff. So it's kind of math heavy, but the, the book talks about they these people study current in the body from a specific voltage level um, basically anything one volt or higher and then they study anything that's 100 microamps so not 100 milliamps 100 microamps and up and there's there's this case that they make that we use electricity in the human body we introduce their the body into an electrical circuit for healing at a certain level hmm. but then at a certain level it destroys muscle tissue and organ failure and all of this stuff and it can, and it can actually kill you so i just i think we work with this stuff every day and we install it so then once we leave other people are in this environment working with this or you know using the things that we just installed i think we need to take safety way more seriously and it not to not, it needs to not be this like oh there's this safety guy we need yeah, to take like it seriously. you're ruining the party you know yeah but i think how we teach it could make a difference in how people receive it as well because if it's these stupid corporate videos you know you go work for a new restaurant and they sit you down in front of a tv and you gotta listen to this stupid video yeah it's well awful. what would happen if you put like bill nye in one of those yeah, and it's right. like all right dumb you don't kill yourself or whatever you yeah. know i think the way that we talk about safety should be like funner more cool show people literally dying no i'm just kidding don't, yeah, don't, don't, do, don't do that well but but no really? it's true but really you know, that, i think that, we should that's why i was like watch uh, how this person died yeah and don't do this yeah i was thinking about a lot of people don't take it seriously until suddenly they're in a situation and they saw it happen. Or they're getting skin graft from their leg to cover the hands, or all the skin that just melted off their hands because yeah. they're an idiot and they weren't it's, paying attention. This stuff is no joke. No, man. One of the first things that you told me when I was apprenticing under you is you have to respect electricity. Yeah, it's in control. You're not. Yeah, absolutely. We're just trying to... It's like a fire hose on a truck. That truck's pump that's pumping the water, that's in control. And it takes 10 guys to like stomp on that hose so it doesn't go crazy. They're just directing the water. Right. That pump's in control. That water's in control. It's the same thing with electricity. It's like the closest thing that I've ever met to like an all-powerful being. And we're just we're just trying to direct it. But it's wildly powerful. So this kind of leads to the next question. What things do electricians do that are neglectful that often cause problems 
specifically electrically? Yes. Okay. Well, I would say making sure that when they're putting terminations together, that everything is tight. That's why I always twist my joints. There's this whole argument of whether or not you just touch two wires together and throw a wire nut on it versus actually making a solid joint that's not going to come apart. And my, I always err on the side of, well, I want to make sure that there's no loose terminations. And if somebody's up in an attic stomping around and they step on your joint that you didn't twist together and now it's loose, you could have this loose little arcing. And if it's in a home that was pre-arc fault breakers, you're not going to have a breaker that can sense the characteristics of an arc in a circuit to know to trip. So it could just ignite insulation up in the ceiling and start a whole fire. So I just think that making sure every termination, everything that you, um, you know, you put a receptacle in that you make sure that you tighten the screws all the way. I don't go as far as using a torquing screwdriver to make sure that all of my terminations on, on devices are torqued because they're tight. Yeah, as long as it's tight. So the thing with torque specs in code is that if a manufacturer puts torque specs on a piece of equipment, the National Electrical Code says you have to follow those. Right. But if a piece of equipment does not have torque specs, you don't have to do it. It's still wise for you to try to look up and figure out what the torque specs for everything are. But I think in general, most of us don't. We're not sitting there with a torquing, you know, $300 torquing screwdriver just torquing every single screw on every receptacle and yeah. every switch. But now lugs on a panel, that's a different story. Yeah, I do because that yeah. panel actually has torque specs. Like every Schneider panel I put in, there's a sticker on it that says that you have to put torque specs for your neutral to this and for your, you know, you know your hot lugs, you have to put them to this spec. So I always follow that. But yeah, making sure that your terminations are really tight is a is a huge thing. Um, the other thing is double checking every termination. So we did that video recently where I showed how I wire my panels and how we put all of the tie wraps and everything and make it all neat. But the one thing I talked about was go back and take the 30 seconds to touch every single one of the screws again. And I even found one that I yeah. missed, right? Yep. And so it's just double checking your work. It's kind of like... If you're in high school, the difference between the kids that are like super good grades, A plus in math and they all this stuff. They went back and checked. They their, just, yeah. They just looked, you know, it's like, oh man, I, I forgot to add a zero or something yeah. stupid. And then they got a good grade yep. and you didn't because you didn't take the time to go double check. So it's the same thing. Just double check everything you do. Don't go put a bunch of receptacles in a house and then not go through with a plug tester when it's energized yeah. and make sure everything works right. I know time is money, but at the same time safety and if you have to go back because there's a loose termination that's wasted money right and this is electricity it's like a zero and a one in a computer it either is on or it's not it yeah. either works or it doesn't and if you do something wrong every time it's not going to work yeah so we can't just get away with slopping something if it's not precise and correct there will be problems and it'll either be a fire blowing up some piece of equipment lights not working in a house so like we more than any other trade, we have to go back and double check everything that we do to make sure that we did it right and all the stuff works. Do you know of any new technologies or tools that seem to be helpful for any of this safety stuff? Well, so in that same book, uh, Applied Bio uh, Bioelectricity, it was written a while ago. So a lot of studies, case studies that it's talking about are like in the 70s and the 80s. They're kind of tracking electrical deaths. Um, by all means, they even include lightning deaths and things like that, which are a lot less uh, common. But they tr they have this graph and it shows the introduction of the GFCI and the amount of work that's been being done by manufacturers to design new things that uh, arc fault breakers, surge protection, everything. 
that's actually making a massive impact in the numbers of people that die. So even though there's more people being born and our population is growing, you would think the deaths from electricity would also be trending upward, but it's actually trending down with the more population rise. And it's a lot of it is just because of consumer electronics that are being designed with uh, surge protection inside of them or with some kind of um, thermal protection inside of like a recessed can or something. So it stops the situation of a fire happening so devices are basically getting smarter so yeah so yeah. like all the the breakers that we're putting in are you know dual function or arc fault or uh, ground fault protection so um, we have a lot of that we have surge protectors that protect things from getting damaged so quickly and actually having a problem we have lightning protection or we you know, the way that we ground and bond things protects from anything getting damaged during lightning um, the way that we ground and bond also if somebody's touching something metal ensuring that we have a way for fault current to go to earth or for it to go back to the transformer to trip a breaker like the ways that we're doing things now a lot of people want to be like oh the code making panel it's just a bunch of manufacturers trying to have us buy new stuff and well There's, some of that might true. be part of that but it's a bit they're all businesses yeah but also they're the ones that are making less deaths happen so in all reality it's it's working um I think that the, that more people being out there preaching that safety, working safely, not screwing around with this stuff needs to happen. And that's why I spend a lot of time talking about it. I try to make sure that every time I talk about safety stuff, even though I might joke around or whatever, make light of something, we always follow it up with like, here's the right way to do this. And don't, you know, don't hurt yourself. That messaging just needs to happen. And, and more companies that are coming up right now need to take it seriously and have a safety meeting with your people on Mondays or, or, or every morning or whatever. I mean, yeah. just, it, it's kind of like there's this soft skill culture that's happening with these more modern, younger companies where we're going to actually care about our people and not just treat them like numbers. And so people want to work for these companies. So they'll leave and take a lower wage to go work for companies that have a great reputation that don't question when somebody needs a time off with their family, like their culture, they're taking their culture seriously. So they've got diehard employees that want to work for them. It's the same thing with safety. If those companies are taking safety seriously every day when they're talking about safety, 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 all their employees are hearing it. And so they're taking it seriously. It just becomes normal. It's part of their culture. Yep. But then you got people that are like, Oh, just put it in. Don't worry about yeah. it. If it's live, you know, you got that machismo that like old BS attitude of like, you're not a man. If you can't do it live, like that, that shit just needs to go. It just needs to go in general. Yeah. The whole idea about companies taking safety seriously. Google maps has started doing this eco-friendly trip. You can choose eco-friendly. And what it will do is it will give you the most eco-friendly route and it takes elevation. It takes everything like for gas, for gas and stuff. Okay. So they're taking the whole carbon footprint thing. Super serious. Consideration. That's and interesting. Since they've rolled it out a couple of years ago, the carbon footprint has dropped massively. Wow. Just because so people rather than saying this is the quickest way to get here, they're saying this is the most gas efficient way. Yep. The most eco-friendly. One last question. What are things that homeowners think are emergencies? And when you hear them talking about it on the phone, you realize it's not, it's something silly. <laughs> my GFI tripped. Sure. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's, that happens a lot. Oh my gosh. The amount of money I've made off of people <laughs> that I'm like, look, this your GFI trip, you just have to reset it. And they're like, I'm sitting here pushing the button. And I'm like, yeah, but did you push 
the trip button and then push yeah, the reset the top one button. First and then the, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, I'll explain it. Cause I'll tell them like, look, I don't want to charge you $225 for this minimum that I charge to go do a job. I charge a trip charge. I charge a full hour if it even takes me five minutes. And so I, I'm not greedy that I just am like, Oh, I'm going to go make money off these people. But I am, if I've explained it to them over and over and I've told them, here's how you fix it. Here's how I don't have to charge you any money. Uh, and they still don't get it. And I, I'll say, is there any other GFIs anywhere in the area that it might also be? And I'll walk in and every time it's like, they say it's this one right here that won't work. And I will walk up and I'll push it and it resets. And they're like, are you serious? What did you just do? And I'm like, I just, you watched me. I just pushed the button and it works just fine. And I never get a call back from them. And they're so like, they're like, okay, I'm going to pay you the money. Cause I just realized I just wasted all your time for doing this. And it depends on who it is. If it's like some grandma or something, you know, like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. do I want my grandma getting somebody treating her, you know, right. It's sometimes I'm just, but the amount of them that I get, I have to charge for that. Yeah. Cause the amount of time I go out and do that. But I'm always that way. Like when people call me, I'm first and foremost, always going to see, is this a problem you can fix yourself? Cause I got 50 other jobs that I need to get to. And I don't, I would rather go spend four hours somewhere and make four hours and make all that money than waste all this drive time to go over and reset a GFI, you know? So in all reality, like most of the calls that I get, I will try to walk them through. Is this something that I can, you can do yourself or not? Because even for me to diagnose something, I'm going to charge you an hour of my time to be on site to just look at the problem and see what I can come up with for a solution. And then the clock starts for when I come up with a solution as well. So I try to be really fair with people, but yeah, the GFI thing breakers tripping and they just don't know how to reset a breaker. Yeah. You know, they don't know that you have to push it off, off yeah, and, and then, then back on, you know, there's huh. a lot of little silly things like that. Um, they'll think like, and here's the thing, elect, electrical work is scary for people who don't understand it. I mean, it's right. scary for people who understand They don't even want to touch a breaker. They, yeah, they think, like oh, they think you're going to get electrocuted me. from touching the handle. Somebody was like, is it true that if you're in front of an electrical panel, you're not supposed to stand in front of it when you turn a breaker on or off? You're supposed to like step to the side. And I'm like, what? That's funny. No, that's... <laughs> like, yeah, if you're in a 2000 amp switch gear and you've got a GFI <laughs> that you have to pump and pump and pump to get that thing because you're connecting... 2000 amps it's not like turning a 15 amp switch on like the amount of current that you're trying to switch on or switch off like have you ever watched a utility company up in a bucket truck they 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 trip their little um uh, breakers that they've got or fuses that they've got up there and when that arm comes disengaged they're disengaging like fourteen thousand volts Whoa. there's an arc a monster like because they're disconnecting so much current that's flowing through that that it's just still it's trying still to complete. Yeah, yeah still pulling. It's, it's like, enough to make wow. contact through air still. Yeah. So like we're talking about 15 amp, 20 amp breakers <laughs> that have a dead front or a panel in front of them too. Like there's no, I've never had a situation. You might have a dead bolt short where you get a 220 short somewhere. And when you, when you um, try to energize the circuit, you'll see a huge <laughs> flash in the panel. Yeah. So there's stuff like that, but I, I think they were more on the paranoid side of like, they open their panel cover, not even take it off. They just open the cover and they're afraid to turn the breaker on. Like, nah, bro, yeah, yeah. there's nothing. I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah, but they don't know. And that's right. okay. It, for us, it's silly. For us, it's common sense. But common sense is only common sense for people that have common knowledge. Yeah. 
So thank you guys so much for listening to us blab at you for a while, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Goodbye.